0: Hi, I'm Terry Modica, and I want to welcome you into A Pilgrimage of the Soul, a podcast retreat from Good News Ministries of GNM.org. You are entering into a mystical union with Christ, based on the mysteries of the Rosary, for your daily life. This retreat was recorded in New Zealand during a live conference. Let's begin with a prayer to open yourself to all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Pray with me. Come Holy Spirit, renew me. Come Holy Spirit, fill me. Come Holy Spirit, teach me. Help me to receive more of the Father's love and healing from Jesus my Savior. Come Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. This morning the talk is going to be focused on the glorious mysteries of the rosary, And the title is Blossoming in the Empowered Life. And we have on our focus here this beautiful display that keeps changing with each presentation, the blossoming of the plant, the blossoming of our flowers. We are blossoms that bring the fragrance of Jesus into the world. And the theme song, let me read it to you. You've heard it before. Let me read it again. The theme song for this retreat scripture, I should say, for this retreat, but I'm going to start with verse 10. This is Song of Songs, verses 10 through 13. My lover speaks, your lover speaks. He says to you and to me, arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. You heard him saying that to you when you found out about this retreat, and you responded to that call of your beloved. And you came. For see, the winter is past, the rains are over, and look, the sun is shining outside. (laughs) (laughs) The flowers appear on the earth, that's you. The time of pruning the vines has come, and we had that yesterday. And the song of the dove is heard in our land, and you are the doves. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines in bloom give forth fragrance. You are the fragrance of the Lord. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. Keep coming. Keep coming to the glorious mysteries of the rosary. Keep coming to the glory of living in the Lord, where every crucifixion leads to a resurrection. Every wound has a healer, and his name is Jesus. And he works through doctors, and he works through counselors, therapists, spiritual directors, friends, loved ones in the family, neighbors. Sometimes he does it through the people we least expect. Sometimes it's the person that we want to run away from when we see them coming across the church parking lot. (laughs) Jesus comes to us in disguise, and we need to be ready to meet him in anyone. And if while you're letting that person talk to you, you discern in your spirit that this isn't the Lord talking to you, then you're allowed to walk away. (laughs) With a smile, of course, for them on the way. I shared with you at the beginning of, of this retreat the time when I had kneeled before the tabernacle in thanksgiving to God for the good news school of Catholic evangelization that my husband and I founded and our team was putting on and it was in my own parish at that particular time and I was just so thrilled that the Lord was using me in something that made a difference in people's lives. And you remember how I shared with you that as I was thanking him for allowing me to be his instrument, he said, are you willing to suffer to become a better instrument for my kingdom? After being in New Zealand, and ministering for a little while, Jesus had a question for me again. He said, are you willing? No, he's actually, he said, are you ready to experience more of my joy to become a better instrument for my kingdom? (laughs) And that was an easy answer. Yes, Lord! (laughs) So again, you have ministered to me. Because... Your spirit of joy, I think, was really part of how the Lord spoke to me about this. Let me say something about that spirit. Even after you leave, that spirit will be here. It's not just in the feelings that you have at the moment, because the Lord has been ministering to you. I discovered this truth when I went to the Holy Land. I was privileged to go there thanks to my friend, Father Ed. I couldn't afford to get there, and he paid half of my airfare and you know, the, the cost of going on a pilgrimage. Every time I went into one of the holy sites where there were churches built on some place that St. Helena discerned, you know, she was the mother of St. Constantine. When Christianity was established across the land as a recognized religion and they discerned where the different places had been, that things had happened in Jesus's life, and in Mary's life. There had been clues that these were the right places because since the beginning, there would be Christians who would go to those places and worship. And now churches were built on it, and over the centuries, they were rebuilt, and these structures are an amazing mishmash of different constructions down through the years. But when you enter into one of those buildings, You enter into a piece of heaven. The presence of the prayers of 2,000 years of worship are felt when you walk in there. You walk out and you feel 4,000 years of hatred. You feel that much difference. I share this story with you because I want you to understand that your worship, your joy, your prayer, your tears of prayerful yearnings, all of this is more than just a momentary feeling or a momentary presence of you. It's a spirit, and it lingers. People say when they come to my house, it's like they feel there are angels present. Well, I do fill the house with angels in my prayer time, but it's, I think it's more than that. It's the spirit that my husband and I have brought into the place through our love of God and our commitment to ministry. All of our homes can minister to others that way. Ask God to fill your homes with holy angels and do it every day because there's always some outside force trying to break in. My prayer in the morning includes, Father God, surround me with so many holy angels that demons cannot hear me or see me or strategize against me. Because I do a lot of talking to my angels and talking out loud to God, and I don't want the enemy to know what I'm saying. (laughs) And once I started doing that, I noticed a difference. Our lives, as I've been saying all weekend, are the fifth gospel. They are the presence of Jesus, or they're supposed to be, the presence of Jesus in this world. This includes the atmosphere of your home, not just the mood you have at the present. If we bring Christ more into our homes, others will feel that and be ministered to by that. There are some here who have the calling to the gift of hospitality where you will take someone else into your home and they will experience the Lord even if you don't say anything about the Lord because they're not ready to hear it. I shared with you yesterday my dream of having the Restful Waters Restoration Center or Centers. Because I also see it starting where we in our local ministry in Tampa, Florida area can get this ministry going. But I see it after we have fine-tuned how that is done, spreading it around the world where anybody who's got a piece of property that they'd like to open up with the ministry of hospitality will join a network. At the current moment in this journey towards getting that, my husband and I are getting ready to build a new house, and it's in a very restful place. We bought two acres of wooded property that the Lord had cleared 30 years before in the middle for the house to go on. And we're going through some struggles on that right now. We are going through a carrying of a cross and, you know, attacks from the enemy, trying to prevent it from happening. Just after I left the state, my husband got the bad news that we couldn't get the construction permit because... The the permitting office said, oh, it's in a flood zone, and and, we we don't want you to build there. And and I said, no, 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 this is not of the Lord. God has a plan, and he's been revealing his hand in this from the beginning, so I know that this house is going to get built. And part of what the Lord did that Ralph and I had not planned on, which was a sign of God at work in this project, was the house ended up being bigger than we had wanted it to be, And we're trying to figure out, okay, we need to shrink this down. And then the Lord reveals that my father has cancer. He's 83 now. My mother is 80. And she's got rheumatoid arthritis that she's had since she was 40. And she's not able to care for the house anymore that they live in. And he's becoming more in need of her. And she doesn't see how she can handle it. And I said, well, move in with us. So I know we're going through a journey here that is going to have a resurrection. I could see the glorious mysteries on the horizon. The Lord has shown us that from the beginning, and we just have to hold on to the faith, hold on to the trust that, yes, God is good. And as Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not disaster. Now, this house has become more and more expensive as we're dealing with this element and that element and what we have to do to get the permit to start construction and and all that. And we're like, Lord, how are we going to afford this? And God says, I'm taking care of the details. Just go with the flow. And one way he's been showing me this, and I share this with you as a word of encouragement for you. You can do the same thing. You have a lot of hawks, I've noticed. Although I'm told you nicknamed them eagles. Eagles. I was seeing a lot of hawks over the past several months, and one day, I was outside walking the dog in my backyard, and there was suddenly a flock of hawks. Now, hawks don't flock. <laughs> they were flying all over, and they just we have some woods behind our house, and they just kept emerging from these woods, and they were flying right over my house. I'm going, this is really weird what's this all about, Lord? And I had to go into prayer, and I talked to some some prayerful people. I said, what do you think this means? Because hawks are a bird of prey. You know, should I say that this might be a, a warning of demonic attack or something? And the answer was no. Hawks have excellent eyesight. And from way up there where they're flying, they can see the tiniest meal down there running around on the ground. And swoop down and get it. That's the bird of prey side of it. But the eyesight side of it is what the Lord wanted me to notice. And he said, I am watching over the details of your project, your life, your ministry, your family. He was teaching me another lesson in trust. And I share this with you because I want you, whenever you see a hawk, remember that I shared that with you. Remember, not me, but the message of it whatever is going on in your life that is worrying you, look at the hawk and say, God is watching over the details of this. And this is how we live in joy even in the midst of stress, and this is how we live the glorious mysteries. Let me go through the glorious mysteries. The resurrection is the first glorious mystery. I'm going to read to you something that Jesus said. It's in John Chapter 10, verse 10. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that you might have life and have it abundantly. The glorious life of being a Christian is the abundant life. The goodness that I spoke about at the beginning of the retreat that Jesus wants for you He wants it for you in abundance. He cares for you in abundance. He heals in abundance. He is a God of abundance. Because as God of the whole universe, he has everything at his disposal, doesn't he? But do we really live that? Do we really believe that? To really enter into that, we have to really enter into that personal relationship with Jesus where he is constantly training us, opening up our eyes of unbelief into a vision of belief and understanding. I said yesterday that Christianity is not for wimps. It's hard work, we have to keep making those steps forward, even if it's a baby step, be holier today and closer to Jesus today than you were yesterday. And I know you all have been experiencing that this weekend. Keep going. Keep going. We cannot sit down, we cannot sit still because we slide backwards. It's the law of entropy. You know, the, the scientific law of entropy about nature, describing a rule of nature, a law of nature, It says that everything tends towards destruction, deterioration. The mountains are withered away by the rains and the water, New York City used to be huge volcanic land. You can identify with that because you live on a volcanic land. New York City used to have some of the highest volcanoes in the world, and now it's totally flat. It's because of that bedrock of volcanoes that skyscrapers can be built. The law of nature is things tend towards deterioration. It's the way this world became after the fall of Adam and Eve. The second coming of Christ will resurrect the whole planet. Oh, and speaking of resurrecting the whole planet, let's not wait for the second coming for us to take responsibility over our environment. Climate change is real. Some of it's natural and some of it's not. And we have the power, we have the brains, we have the innovation ability to to come up with new scientific developments that can make the world a better place for everyone. But we have to have a worldwide concerted effort towards this. And we all have a responsibility in that. There are people in the poorest places that are already suffering from climate change. They're the first ones being affected by it because they are countries and people who do not have the financial resources to deal with it. We countries who do have the responsibility to remember that social justice includes our environment, because it really affects people, and it's not just it makes it rainier in one place and more desert-like in another place. It totally affects lives. So let's not wait for Jesus to come back and rescue us from the planet. I hear a lot of Catholics and Protestants say, Jesus has got to be coming soon, because the world has gotten so immoral and amoral, whether it's abortion or whether it's terrorism or whether it's you know, the general decrease of morality that's out there, people saying, come, Jesus, come. And I'm saying, he's here and he's in you. He doesn't want us to be lazy, sitting on our bums, waiting for his second coming. That's another huge sin of omission if we're waiting for his second coming and waiting for him to rescue the world. He's here, and he's in you, and you have the calling to be the body of Christ on this planet, on this nation, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your parish. In the glorious mysteries, the resurrection set of mysteries, remember that your sufferings and dyings, you can count on those ten beads. Your sufferings and dyings are being transformed. Think of 10 sufferings and dyings that you've been through. They are being transformed into a new life, new purposes, new ministries for you. Let me read to you the scripture that explains why I am here in New Zealand. It's from Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 27. "Now I rejoice in my sufferings. For your sake. I mean that literally. In my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. What was lacking? Was Jesus' crucifixion incomplete? Was his passion on Good Friday incomplete? No and yes. Because there are still people today who haven't accepted him as their savior, right? Right? And he called us to be his body on earth now to continue that mission. So we are all continuing the passion of Jesus with the pains, the sufferings we go through. If we go through them connected to Christ. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, what I suffered for you. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in the inflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church, of which I am a minister in accordance with God's stewardship given to me to bring to completion for you the word of God. This final talk that I'm presenting today is bringing to completion the word that God has for you in this retreat, although he's going to put a denouement at the end of it in Mass. The final explanation point at the end of the sentence during mass now it has been manifested to his holy ones you to whom god chose to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles it is christ in you the hope for glory the glorious mysteries are you and your life And the sufferings I have been through, I am definitely joyful for, thankful for, because of how it has enabled me to minister to you. There is nothing greater than being able to be God's instrument in the world, God's minister to others. Serving God is a great adventure. Like a roller coaster, there's ups and downs, and you never know what's coming around the corner. It can be very thrilling and scary sometimes, but wonderful and exhilarating the ascension the second glorious mystery this is in our lives when we reach higher states of forgiveness higher states of love higher states of determination to do the work of the Lord to get through a problem higher states of commitment in our Christian life higher states of faithfulness higher states of willingness to spread the good news anything that you are Reaching a higher state in is your ascension. My husband, when he does speaking engagements, likes to talk about trading up. We're trading a, a smaller way of looking at something for a bigger way, God's way of looking at something. We're trading a painful way of looking at something for God's way of looking at it. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will do the works that I do and greater ones than these. It's one of my favorite verses, it's verse 12. Greater ones than these, what the heck is that? Has anybody walked on water? (laughs) Well, Jesus said we can do greater than that. Or is that really what he said? I had to ask him this, like what in the world can I do that's greater than what Jesus did? That's not possible, and it's right, it's not possible. When I read that scripture in context with the whole chapter, chapter 14, it made sense. The chapter is about Jesus' relationship with the Father. And when you look at what he says, that's one of your assignments after you go home, is read John chapter 14. When Jesus is talking about his Father, he's talking about doing the works of the Father, So then it came to light to me what those greater works were that he was talking about. He said, first of all, if you believe in me, you will do the works I do. In that, he was speaking as Jesus the human. The works that he does as a man, as a human, is loves, helping a neighbor, maybe cooking them a meal when they're sick. It's the raising of children, yeah, it's forgiving somebody who has hurt you, forgiving them 70 times, seven times in one day if necessary. Although that tends to the supernatural side usually. <laughs> the ordinary things of Christian living, Christian loving, Christian serving. Jesus exemplified that time and again as he walked on this earth. The greater works were the works of the Father, the works that we cannot do without God's divine help. Although loving the unlovable takes divine help, loving those who love us back is the easy kind of love. The easy kind of loving is the ordinary works of God. The extraordinary works of God are when loving becomes difficult and we want to run instead of love. That's walking on water. There's even the supernatural in the physical world that happens if we believe in Jesus. And believing in Jesus doesn't just mean, yes, he is my Lord and my Savior. And I will go to church. And I will even put a little money in the offering basket at church. <laughs> the works of the Lord is a life transformed by a belief in Jesus that goes beyond our head and embraces his whole being. It's not just a concept of believing that Jesus died and rose again to take you to heaven. It's the embracing of Jesus in his fullness. To believe in Jesus means that we know he is right when he says, go the extra mile, love your enemy, even if we don't like it, even if we don't understand it. Belief in Jesus means we want to be like him. Even when that takes us to the cross. Belief in Jesus is embracing all that Jesus is. And that's why he can say in verse 13 of John 14, And whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let me read it in context with verse 12. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, verse 14, if you ask anything of me in my name, I will do it. It does not mean, in the name of Jesus, I want $1,000 to fall into my hands. (laughs) The name of Jesus is the fullness of Jesus. In Scripture, when the word name is used, it means a full knowing of that person's full personality. To call somebody by name meant you were calling all that they were. To call upon Jesus' name and to pray in the name of Jesus means you're praying in all that he is. All that he is to you. All that he is, period. That means whatever is his will, when we ask in the name of Jesus, we are asking for what's already in his will. So of course he's going to do it. If we use the name of Jesus like a magic genie formula then we're not doing it in the person of Jesus. We're doing it just like it's a magic formula. And that's not gonna work, there's no power in that. And very often God's will is not in that. But whenever we fully embrace Jesus and call upon the fullness of who Jesus is in prayer, we have in our minds, our hearts, already what we're asking, God has put there. We are asking for what he already wants to do. Because we have a prayer life that keeps us communicating with him. And there's a scripture that says, God gives us the desires of our hearts. I figured out after a while that this, after a lot of praying for things that I wasn't getting... I figured out that what he really means here is he gives us the desires of our hearts. And when we pray for the desires of our hearts that God has planted within us, the desires he's put there because it's his desires, then of course those prayers are going to get answered. Maybe not as fast as I like. I'm still waiting for those Restful Waters Restoration Centers to get started, and it's been about 10 years, but it will happen. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders, or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.